Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on June 14th, 2015, on the basis of Luke 7, verses 1 through 10. One of my favorite scenes from one of my favorite movies comes from A Few Good Men. Have you seen it? It's right in that courtroom scene when Lieutenant Daniel Caffey, who's played by Tom Cruise, is questioning Colonel Nathan Jessup, who's played by Jack Nicholson. Very famous scene in that movie. And there are many lines and many sequences from that scene that people know and can even quote. And yet one of them in particular came to my mind this week. It's right as Lieutenant Caffey is asking Colonel Jessup if there's any possibility that the soldiers who, on tr- who were on trial had disobeyed their commander's orders. And he keeps asking him again and again and again. And at some point, Colonel Jessup becomes so annoyed, so disturbed by this line of questioning that he interrupts Lieutenant Caffey and he gives him a little lecture on what life is really like as a Marine. He says, we follow orders. We follow orders or people die. It's that simple. You can tell it from the words that he said. You can tell from the rank he had in the military. You can tell from from the smug look on his face and the condescending tone in his voice. Here was a man who was very used to getting his way. It's kind of how it works in the military, right? Soldiers follow orders. It's just that simple. And so the man that we meet in today's gospel, while not nearly as arrogant or condescending as Jack Nicholson's character in that movie, had something very important in common with him. You see, this man is a centurion stationed in the city of Capernaum, a city up in the northern part of Palestine. And as a Roman centurion, he had a hundred soldiers who were under his command, a hundred Soldiers whose job it was to obey his every order and carry out his every wish. Here, too, was a man who was very much used to getting his way. And that's probably part of what made the dilemma that he was facing so difficult. We're told that his servant was ill. A servant that Luke tells us he valued highly. A servant that Matthew, in his account of this incident, tells us the centurion actually viewed as if he was one of his own children. He loved him that much. And it wasn't just that he was a little bit ill. Luke tells us that he was on the verge of dying. And so here was this man who was so used to having every single one of his orders obeyed, a man who was so used to getting his way, who could do absolutely nothing about this. But thankfully, the centurion had heard about someone who could. You see, even though this was very early on in Jesus' ministry, Jesus had already performed several miracles of healing, And one of them was right here in this town of Capernaum, a miracle that this centurion had heard about. And so even though he knew he couldn't do anything in this situation, he knew that Jesus could. Now that's a scenario 
that plays itself out in all of our lives at some point, isn't it? Someone or something that's very near, very dear to our hearts seems to be completely unraveling right before our very eyes and there's nothing we can do to stop it. Maybe it's our health or a loved one's health, a relationship, a friendship, a marriage, a career, finances, the particular place that we occupy in the social ladder. Whatever it might be, we realize that all of our time, all of our energy, all of our effort, all of our resources can't do anything about it. And of course, we know that in a situation like that, the right thing to do is exactly what the centurion did. We go to Jesus. We tell him what's wrong. We ask him to fix it. We know that even in situations where we can't do anything, Jesus, of course, can. But really, the big question that this story confronts us with this morning is this. When we do that, when we go to Jesus, when we tell him our problems, when we ask him to fix them, how do we do so? How do we do so in such a way that he will actually listen to us? In other words, what's the secret for getting our way with Jesus? The story basically presents two different options for us. This centurion decided that he wasn't actually going to go to Jesus directly, and so instead he sent a group of Jewish elders to go on his behalf. Now, at some point along the way, as they were going, they must have said to themselves, you know, we need to make sure that Jesus knows exactly how great of a guy this centurion is. We need to make sure he knows just who is asking him for this favor. And so when they arrived at Jesus, they not only presented him with this request, they also pulled out the centurion's resume. They pleaded with Jesus and said to him, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and he has built us a synagogue. So imagine that Judith Faulkner walked in the door this morning. Do you know who Judith Faulkner is? She's the founder and CEO over at Epic in Verona. Imagine that she walked in the door this morning and said, good people of good news, you need a church. And I want you to have a church. So you can go out and pick out the land, get as many acres as you think you need. Go up and, and draw the plans out, make it as big and as beautiful, as extravagant as you want, and I'm going to buy it, and I'm going to build it for you. And then imagine on the very first day that we held our very first worship service in that brand new beautiful facility, Judith Faulkner was diagnosed with cancer. Or one of her children was tragically hurt in a car accident. Or an awful tornado suddenly leveled all of her buildings over there at Epic. Part of us would probably think, boy, that's not quite fair. Part of us would probably think, I, I think she deserves better than that. Well, that's exactly what these Jewish elders thought about this centurion, and they wanted to make sure Jesus felt exactly the same way. 
So that's one way that we can approach Jesus with our problems and our requests. And in fact, isn't it the easiest way? Isn't it the most natural way for us to go to Jesus? Has anything ever happened to you in your life that caused you to think, boy, I don't think that's quite fair? Has any difficulty or tragedy struck that that led you to think, boy, I think I deserve better than this? Isn't it easy at times to, to say to God, for example, Lord, I hope you see what I'm doing this morning. I could be sleeping. I could be out golfing, but but here I am. I'm here in your house. Lord, I hope you see what I'm doing for you this morning. I could be using that money to get some needed car repairs done. I could have used that money to buy the 50-inch flat screen instead of just the 42-inch flat screen, but instead I gave that money to you. I gave that money to your church and to its work. Lord, I hope you see how I'm trying to live my life. I hope you see my neighbors, my co-workers, my family members. I mean, compared to them, I'm practically a saint. Lord, I just want to make sure that you see all of the things that I am doing for you because here's what I want you to do for me. In fact, the sad truth is that we're kind of programmed to think that way. We're kind of, kind of hardwired to believe this lie of the devil that if you do enough good things, eventually good things will, or at the very least should, happen. It's logical, and it sure comes naturally, but unfortunately it's dead wrong. And it's actually not the approach that this centurion took with Jesus. You see, as those Jewish elders went to Jesus and started reciting all of his accolades and telling Jesus everything he had done, it's not as if they were doing what he wanted them to do. In fact, they were doing exactly the opposite. We're told that the reason the centurion had sent that delegation in the first place is because he didn't consider himself worthy to go to Jesus himself. And in fact, when he heard that Jesus was coming to his house, he sent out another group of people to tell him to stop. He didn't feel as though he was worthy to have Jesus come under his own roof. Everyone else thought that this man deserved to have Jesus grant him this request. Strangely enough, only the centurion thought that he wasn't. No, instead, his very humble but very confident request of Jesus wasn't based, about, based on anything that he knew about himself. It was only based on what he knew about Jesus. Here was a man, again, who knew the power of orders, who was very used to every single one of his orders being followed, and yet he knew that Jesus possessed an authority that far exceeded his own. He knew that Jesus command held sway over absolutely everything, including his servant's illness. And so when he presented that request, he simply said to Jesus, say the word and my servant will be healed. Friends, when you approach Jesus with your requests, don't start by telling him about all the good things that you've done. Don't be that employee who shows up late for work 
who falls asleep on the job, who breaks company policy, who costs the company hundreds and hundreds of dollars, and then still asks for a raise. Because, oh yeah, there was that one day when I filled up the office stapler all by myself without even having to be asked. Friends, your resume of righteousness can't possibly live up to the expectations that Jesus has for you. So don't even get it out. Don't even bring it along. Leave it at home. And instead, when you present your request to Jesus, simply remember who you are dealing with. This is the one whose word drove out that servant's illness. And this is the one whose word and whose order holds authority over absolutely everything. Every star in the sky, every king, every nation, every army, every creature on every continent, every wave on every ocean. Your life, your health, your family, your career, Jesus' word possesses power over all of it. Everything follows his order. It's just that simple. In other words, Jesus always gets his way. But has it ever been true for you that that's almost more of a frustration than a comfort? We know that Jesus always gets his way, and yet sometimes the cancer still runs its course. Sometimes the career never recovers. Sometimes that relationship is never repaired. And in fact, that might be one of the reasons why we are so quick at times to believe this idea that maybe if we just do a few more good things, then a few more good things will happen in our lives. Jesus' way and our way don't seem to be lining up. Well, friends, that's what's so beautiful about this centurion's approach. You see, when we put all of our hope and all of our confidence in Jesus' word, Not only do we wait to see what he is going to say about a particular situation, we also have the incredible privilege of looking back and remembering what he has already said with that same powerful word. You see, the same one who keeps the oceans in their place and keeps the planets in their orbits has also said to you, take heart. Your sins are forgiven. He's also said to you, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He said, I will keep you safe from the evil one. Nothing and no one can take you away from me. He said, I will use all things for your eternal good. He said, I will come back one day for you. He said, I will speak to your dead body and raise it up on the last day. He said, I will give you the gift of eternal life. See, sometimes we do have to wait and see how Jesus is going to use his word about every last detail of our lives. But at the same time, we have that incredible privilege of looking back and remembering how he has already used his word 
about the really big picture details of our life. And based on what we know, based on what he has already said, we can be completely confident. We can rest assured that he will always use his word for our good. Every last thing that happens in our lives will serve his ultimate purpose of bringing us to heaven with him. And if you're ever tempted to doubt that or tempted to forget that, just remember how far your Jesus was willing to go to make that happen. Just remember that his desire for you to be with him in heaven brought him all the way to this earth and took him all the way to the cross. How he willingly took all of those blemishes on your resume and paid for them with his death. How he willingly gave you his perfect resume as a completely free gift. That's the Jesus who now uses his word to control everything that happens in the universe and everything that happens in our lives. See, that's the beautiful thing about this centurion's approach. The approach of simply saying to Jesus, you say the word. I'll wait and I'll put my hope in everything you've said and everything you've promised. It's not just that because Jesus' word is so powerful, he always gets his way. Because he always uses his word for our good, when Jesus gets his way, you get your way too. Amen. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.